Welcome back to Lasa's channel. My name is Anton Vjeltsen. I'm an attorney in the Southern District of California here in San Diego. Today we're going to discuss another case dealing with prolonged stops. Remember, under the Fourth Amendment, officers cannot unreasonably prolong a traffic stop unless they have reasonable suspicion that some criminal activity is afoot. Here in this case, the officer believed that he had reasonable suspicion that drag trafficking was occurring because the driver had a single key without a keychain, and inside the condition of the vehicle seemed like it was somebody who was living in the vehicle. There was a lot of wrappers, a lot of soda bottles, and so on. Before we discuss the case, I want to thank you for watching my channel. Please hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to the podcast version of this recording, please give my podcast a five-star review rating. And finally, if you want to support this channel, consider going to lostash.com and checking out some of the merch. So let's go ahead and discuss the case. Quick message from Lostash. Are you charged with a crime? Or do you want to know your rights if stopped by police? Watch California attorney Anton Vjeltsin discuss legal cases from the Supreme Court, Ninth Circuit, and California state courts on the Lostash YouTube page. Anton has handled hundreds of federal and state criminal cases, has an in-depth knowledge of the law, and has the best mustache ever. Subscribe to the Lost Ash YouTube page. That's L-A-W-S-T-A-C-H-E. Today we'll be discussing United States versus Leon, which is a 10th Circuit decision published in September 2023, and it deals with prolonged stops. Mr. Leon gets pulled over on the highway after the officer observed him driving in the left lane without passing anyone, which apparently is a crime, a vehicular code violation in the state of Colorado. Once he pulled over Mr. Leon, the officer also observed that the truck had an out-of-state license plate. When the officer approached the vehicle, he noticed that the back seat had a lot of disorganized boxes, a lot of clothing, the front seats had food wrappers, a soda bottle, an energy drink can, and religious pamphlets. And generally speaking, the officer also later testified that the vehicle looked like quote-unquote that it had a lived-in or hard-traveled look. And finally, Mr. Leon had a single key in the ignition without a keychain and without any other keys, which might be indicative of a rental car or somebody who recently had a car or recently purchased a vehicle. With that in mind, the officer asked Mr. Leon for all the doc documentation, including the registration, the title, and so on. The registration and insurance had a different person's name on it, but the title seemed like Mr. Leon just purchased the vehicle. And in fact, Mr. Leon volunteered the information to the officer, telling him that he purchased the truck just two weeks ago and haven't registered it yet. When the officer asked where Mr. Leon was traveling, Mr. Leon said that he was going to Denver to pick up some religious books and maybe attend a religious event. He said that he had ties to Minnesota. He lived in Arizona as a kid, went to Minnesota for a woman, but recently was living with a friend. So he volunteered a lot of information in terms of where he lived in the past and where he was going and so on. The trooper believed that Mr. Leon was overly cooperative and also seemed super nervous. The officer then asked Mr. Leon for consent to search the vehicle, and Mr. Leon refused. Just a side note, never consent to governmental searches. In fact, 
I've made a series of videos dealing with vehicular searches without a warrant. I believe the very first video in that series deals with consent. And the outcome, the takeaway from that video is that never consent to searches. And here, Mr. Leon refused. The officer believed that he had reasonable suspicion anyways, so he had the canine walk around the vehicle, the canine alerted, they searched inside of the vehicle and quickly found 76 pounds of methamphetamine. Mr. Leon was charged with possession with intent to distribute under 21 USC 841. He later entered a conditional plea and later sentenced to 70 months imprisonment. He now appeals. That's why it was called a conditional plea. It allowed Mr. Leon to appeal the suppression motion denial on appellate level. So. As this indicates, Mr. Leon did in fact try to suppress the evidence, namely the drugs, under the Fourth Amendment. He said that the stop was unreasonably prolonged. Fourth Amendment establishes a right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. A routine traffic stop is a seizure and is treated as an investigative detention under the Fourth Amendment. The reasonableness of an investigative detention is judged under the principles announced in Terry versus Ohio. Like a Terry stop, the tolerable duration of police inquiries in the traffic stop context is determined by the seizure's mission. To address the traffic violation that warranted the stop and attend to related safety concerns. Authority for the seizure thus ends when tasks tied to the traffic infraction are or reasonably should have been completed. An officer may not prolong the traffic stop to conduct an unrelated investigation without reasonable suspicion that the detainee is engaged in criminal activity. The moment at which this reasonable suspicion becomes necessary is known as the Rodriguez moment. The district court, which is the lower court, denied the motion to suppress the evidence and they cited a number of factors why they believed the officer had reasonable suspicion to prolong the stop beyond the initial mission. The lower court cited the following factors. Potential origin of the trip from Arizona, which is known to be a drug hub, traveling from that destination to Minnesota, vague travel plans, unsure how long he was going to be in Denver, vague reasons to even be in Denver, attempting to control the conversation, inconsistent statements regarding where he was currently living, the Arizona driver's license, the Minnesota registered vehicle, the condition of the interior of the vehicle, and Mr. Leon's nervousness. Of course, prior to reaching this conclusion, the court also referenced the single truck key with no ring. Mr. Leon's apparent lack of familiarity with important documentation, Mr. Leon's alleged inability to recall the name of the person who sold him the truck, and the recent retitling and registering of the car. The appellate court then proceeds to look at all of these factors once again to determine if there was reasonable suspicion. They start off with the first factor, that Minnesota and Arizona are known as drug hubs. Here's what the court says. First, the characterization of Arizona and Minnesota as drug hubs or destination adds nothing to reasonable suspicion calculus because law enforcement officers have offered countless of cities as drug source cities 
and countless others as distribution cities. The probative of a particular defendant route is minimal. Then the court proceeds and moves on to the travel plans. The fact that Mr. Leon was traveling from Phoenix to Denver to pick up books and pamphlets and to particularly stay at an event that was religious one. Although we have found travel plans suspicious when it begged credulity to think that the purpose of the trip could justify the travel plans, here there is nothing on the record to suggest that Mr. Leon was on a restricted timeline, so his plans were very reasonable. And in fact, he did have religious pamphlets in his vehicle, which gave him only more credibility that he's traveling to Denver to a religious event and to pick up more religious books. Then the court moves on to inconsistent statements, particularly where he lived. And here the appellate court says that when we look at the record, it doesn't seem that Mr. Leon was giving any information that was inconsistent on what really happened. He was in fact traveling from Arizona to Denver. He lived in Minnesota at some point. So all of that was in fact consistent. Then the court says that we afford no weight to the condition of the vehicle's interior, which had food wrappers, soda, energy drink containers, miscellaneous boxes, and clothing. First, food wrappers and drink containers are items you would find in any vehicle on a road trip. The lived-in or hard-traveled appearance that Trooper Gosnell noted may be consistent with drug trafficking trips, but it is also characteristic of most road trips. The fact that Mr. Leon had purchased the car just a few weeks prior does not change our analysis. A car being used for a road trip is likely to accumulate some degree of mess regardless of how long it has been owned. Second, although the trooper explained that some traffickers use a cover load to make a trim seem more legitimate, he failed to explain why he believed the contents of Mr. Leon's vehicle were part of a cover load rather than indicative of a legitimate travel or even how such a distinction could be made. Next, the court moves on and looks at the nervousness of the defendant, Mr. Leon's. And here, the court says that we have found consistently that ordinary nervousness bears little weight in the reasonable suspicion calculus. This is because most motorists experience some degree of nervousness when stopped by the police. And unless the police officer has had significant knowledge of a person, it is difficult even for a skilled person or a skilled police officer to evaluate whether a person is acting normally or nervously. The last factor, the ownership of the vehicle and the fact that it was not registered to Mr. Leon. The recent registration of a vehicle can contribute to a reasonable suspicion, although the courts have generally placed little emphasis on that factor. While this is a relevant factor in weighing the totality of the circumstances, the courts note that registering a newly purchased vehicle is a legal requirement and many innocent travelers purchase and register their cars each year. We therefore continue to place little emphasis on this factor. So at the end of the day, the appellate court reevaluated all of these different factors and concluded 
that these factors cited by the district court and the government are not inconsistent with drug trafficking, but they're also not meaningfully indicative of drug trafficking. So at the end of the day, the appellate court says that there was no reasonable suspicion to prolong the stop and run the canine around the vehicle. And although this is a close case, the drugs should have been suppressed and could not be used against Mr. Leon in trial. And thus, the case will go back to the district court and most likely be dismissed. I hope you enjoyed this video and let's talk about some takeaways. So let's summarize the five takeaways. Takeaway number one, fact that defendant was coming from Phoenix when he was stopped near Denver did not provide reasonable suspicion for a prolonged stop. Takeaway number two, defendant's travel plans of driving from Denver to pick up religious books and perhaps stay at the event were not implausible as to provide reasonable suspicion for a prolonged stop. Takeaway number three, condition of the vehicle's interior did not provide reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. Remember, this is the factor that we're talking about, the bottles, the energy drink cans, and so on. The appellate court says that this is indicative of anyone traveling on the interstate. As you make your trip, you will accumulate more and more mess. It makes sense. You like salmon fishing? Maritimes is the best. I used to live on the La Have River. I remember when I was a kid, the fish merchant, and he took his bride salmon fishing on their wedding day in the pool just below my dad's house. And she lost the diamond out of her engagement ring into that pool. It was a tragedy. And 25 years later, to the date, he was cutting into a salmon caught from that very pool when his knife struck something hard. It was his thumb. People are real in the Maritimes. Whatever your reason, now's the time to experience Canada. Takeaway number four, defendant's alleged nervousness during the traffic stop was not extreme and bore negligible weight in determining whether Truber had reasonable suspicion to prolong the traffic stop. And finally, takeaway number five, Trooper's belief that defendant was traveling in a third party vehicle did not provide reasonable suspicion. I hope you enjoyed this video. I hope you learned a little bit more about these factors, some of the things we look at when we're discussing reasonable suspicion. If you enjoyed this video, please give it a thumbs up. If you like my channel, hit that subscribe button. I'm getting a lot of messages from people saying that once they subscribe, they never get notifications that I'm publishing new videos and they're missing them. Make sure you hit that bell button. It will give you the notification next to my post. And for some of the viewers that tell me and write in the comments that they haven't seen my video in a while, I do publish a new video every Wednesday, no matter what, unless an exception applies. In law, there's always exceptions. If you're listening to the podcast version of this recording on Audible or Spotify, please give my podcast a five-star re-rating. And finally, if you want to support this channel, consider going to lostash.com and checking out some of the merch, including my Do Not Arrest This Person t-shirts. Thanks a lot for watching.